it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And hey, I'm Dr. Lisa. I give a shit, okay? I do. And you know, maybe I can't see you and make eye contact right now, but that doesn't mean I'm not thinking about you and that I care because I really, you know, I care. Uh, and, uh, if you haven't heard the show before, I'm Dr. Lisa, the self-proclaimed psychotherapist. And, uh, I'd kind of really, uh, try to dig into people's thoughts and feelings and really get in there and kind of come out with a bunch of sludge, share it with you. So, uh, stick around. We're going to have a particularly, uh, fun guest today who I, uh, Yale, uh, a baron, uh, Abe Barron, who I'm going to get to in a minute, and she can help me exp- say her name properly. Uh, but I just wanted to share with you what I was thinking about to share with you, which is that um, I wanted to to point to that I quit this group that I've been involved in for 19 years this week. That was just yesterday. And, uh, you know, it was a really long journey, and it was really hard to quit. And I was going, it was going on and on. And I just got to the point where I woke up and realized that this was taking up a lot of my time and that the group that I was involved in actually helped me focus on so many things that I really want to make priorities in my life that uh, I didn't need the group. It wasn't that I didn't need the people in the group or that they weren't important to me. But I didn't need to have that kind of an organized activity because I was able to actually jump into other things. So uh, for those of you that have trouble uh, getting out of things, getting out of relationships, uh, getting out of commitments, the thing that I learned there was that uh, maybe it was overdue. I don't know. Me have been. But... Uh, it's a good thing. It feels the th- the thing to know is that the consciousness of understanding that you're not doing things out of a habit. You really gotta like keep an eye on that because you know we all wind up in things that just go on and on because we don't want the change. People don't naturally gravitate towards change. So I guess 19 years doesn't sound like I was really hopping to it, but it was a big deal. Take it from me. Come on. You know I'm a wuss. I'm not pretending otherwise. So I want to uh, introduce you to Yale Barron, and I, I'm going to start out by reading something she wrote before I bring her on because I think Yale is a particularly original person, And she's also a very powerful person, more than she probably realizes. Like, she can just take over. She doesn't have any idea. Do you know that, Yale? Um, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Okay, she's adorable. She's she's smiling. But anyway, uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting about Yale, or one of the things that I think is very valuable, and, and I appreciate Yale coming in here and sharing it, is that she is someone with mental health uh, issues that is a mental health advocate, and she's passionate about that. And I can't even say she's courageous in sharing it because she's so 
um, embraces it. I think in in like the in like the most positive way that I wish that. Well, we're here to. I'm going to help. I my goal is to get you guys to understand and for me to understand how she embraces this and how positive that can be and how motivating and how strong that and how strong that is. Maybe we'll even make fun of her a little bit or laugh or something. She's really cute. How old are you, Gail? Um, I'd like to look younger, but I am 33 at the moment. Yeah, you look younger. She looks younger. Really pretty, you know, gorgeous, gorgeous hair. Nice. You're single, Yale? Um, no. I, I guess I am. So if the guys are listening, can they call in for a date? Um, it depends. Okay. Well, we're fuzzy, but let you go look her up. Get in touch with me, Dr. Lisa at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. I'll set you up on a date if you pass the muster. But I'm just going to introduce you by reading something that Yale wrote so that um, I can introduce her and you can get a sense of her. And this is in her voice, even though she's right here, I'm reading it for her. Hi, my name is Yale Barron, and I have borderline personality disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I used to have bipolar disorder until I didn't. I was misdiagnosed. It is very difficult for me to have a relationship because I develop strong attachments to people. Once I care, I love you. You hold a piece of my heart. If you leave me, part of me will die. How does one protect one's heart when one feels so deeply? And how does it and how do those in that person's orbit withstand such intensity? It's a lot to deal with. So I think that is a pretty powerful way to uh, just try to condense uh, Yale into three short paragraphs. Um, so thanks for bringing that in and sharing it with us, Yale. Why don't you move closer to the mic or let's oh. move the mic closer to you. Okay. How's that? So how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah, you look good. I mean, yeah. you look happy. Are you yeah. feeling happy? Um, yeah, I, I guess I feel comfortable on the radio. Oh, well, that's good. I'm not surprised. So I think it would be uh, interesting to hear about how you discovered that you had a mental illness. You, you are, you are, you've been diagnosed by like psychiatrists or doctors. Oh, I've been diagnosed by so many people for so, for so many well, different I, I things. Mean, <laughs> But anyway, so how did you come to understand that you had a mental illness? What what what, what were the signs? You, I was you were saying that you before that you had a fairly normal childhood, or tell us about it. Well, um, in some ways, it was a normal childhood. But yeah, brothers I, or sisters. I do have a brother, and I have a sister. Um, but talk into the mic. Oh. In, yeah, there. That's so good. Right. Just yeah. whatever that is, do that. Yeah. In childhood, I always had like a difficulty relating to the other children and maintaining long term friendships. It was always stormy and rocky. And did you have arguments? It wasn't so much arguments, but um, did kids make fun of you? They did make fun of me. Actually, like, you know, the good thing about Facebook nowadays, sometimes you get that um, some of these people go and 
send you a message and say, um, remember me um, in fifth grade, I was mean to you and I'm sorry. Oh, nice. And you know what? I would give that guy a round of applause. It takes a lot of courage to own up to something mm-hmm. you did a long time ago. So and did I didn't you, even remember it. Did you go to college? I tried to go to college. It just I went to Nassau Community College, but at that time, um, it just didn't, didn't work, work for out. Me. And so, were your parents? What did your parents do? Well, my mother is an artist, and my dad is a lawyer. Hmm. So, were they supportive parents? Yeah they they were they did concerned the best about they you. They did the best they can. Um, did you get okay grades? I never liked doing homework. So you didn't have a lot of discipline or you seem very, very bright, but were you not, did you function well in a school environment? Not really. I think with schools today, um, sitting in a desk for so many hours is just, it was too hard. It's it's too hard. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think you got to give people more um, ability to move around. So that wasn't, yeah, that's hard for that's hard for sure. Yeah. So, uh, what? How did you discover, or what? What were what were the signals? You said you've been in therapy. She told me this earlier that she's been in therapy for six years. And somebody that I hear has a mental, has emotional or mental problems that's only been in therapy for six years seems like they must have done pretty well, because you know. So you were in your late twenties by the time you started working on the therapy stuff. I mean, I'm sure you've been working, but so what led up to that? Well, um, to be honest, like, um, I did go to therapy earlier in my life, but it was more under a psychiatry with medication or trying to know what's going on. But Uh, the problem was that my mind was not open to the fact that I had an issue. Oh, I see. You didn't want to think that you had any kind of problem. Yeah, I, I didn't you have to open your heart to the truth. Oh, no kidding. And sometimes the truth can shock you into acceptance. So were you were you angry? What did you get angry when people said that you when people suggested you had an emotional problem or a mental pro- what do you call it? A mental problem? Is it a cognitive problem or is it more of a emotional problem? How how do you describe Let's just stick with the borderline personality disorder how do you can you explain it or describe how it manifest how it might manifest in you well i'm new to the diagnosis so i'm still a bit ignorant but the best way to um explain from what i feel is yeah. it is an that em- is the best way <laughs> emotional dysregulation disease that you have a uh, difficulty managing your emotions like if something happens to you you react in such a strong way that doesn't fit right what is going on well i'll say doesn't fit society's impression of it yes yeah because that's kind of how um you know very young children probably are and then we learn how to manage our emotions but that doesn't mean i mean you're like right person in wrong planet kind of i think perhaps so you didn't have the cognitive skills to manage that um, I wasn't even aware that you I had You weren't even it. aware of it. It was after I started therapy with my therapist that the same problems kept happening that were inconsistent with bipolar disorder. It was, and it, everything was mostly triggered by relationship 
issues or boys or just people in general any like a possible romantic relationships or all relationships all relationships so what would happen if let's say there would be a misunderstanding it would affect my ability to function if there was any um issue that happened in any of my relationships so would you get upset did you crawl into a hole or what would you yell at them would you cry would you take it out on yourself i think a lot most of uh, um hmm a lot of it was self-inflicted pain but i would also um I wouldn't react the best to rejection if something happened and I would at times be aggressive. Yeah, yeah, I can, I could, I mean, that sounds kind of, to me, that sounds kind of normal to the rest of the planet. Uh, You just reacted honestly. I mean, I get it. I get it. We get it, right, guys? I mean, this is a crazy fucking planet. We're not supposed to, like, be normal. That's normal. You get rejection. You want to, like yell at the person and fucking break their neck. That's normal. Pretending everything's fine is not. And that's how we all live. So I get it. Uh, uh, so that must have made life very difficult and awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you finally come to terms with that? Well, um, I f- first was- when me and my therapist were trying to figure out what was wrong, uh, we at the at around the same time we both had the suspicion that this isn't bipolar this sounds like borderline so i was diagnosed for already over 20 years with bipolar so if i was going to get that overturned i had to go to someone who had a lot of experience and was respected mhm and um i found that person it cost me a lot of money of course especially with the amount of experience that you need but um the truth was there. It um, was that really hard for you to acknowledge. I, I was happy because, like, for a long time, I thought I would need um, to be on medication for the rest of my life because they thought you were bipolar. Yes, and and they gave you bipolar medication, yeah. which is it can be difficult. <laughs> yeah, a lot but, of side effects. Yeah, there were side effects. Yeah, and like no one likes it. People don't like that medication. Yeah, but with what I had, a lot of the problems and the solutions were to work within my myself to come up with more healthy patterns in in a therapeutic way. Of course, coping, coping yeah. skills, cognitive coping skills, right? Is yeah. that what they taught you? Like just how to actually think it through and manage yourself, like kind of a cognitive thing instead of saying, don't feel this way. Just say like, when you feel that way, um, think this and realize that and take care of your, how to take care of yourself better. Is that part of cognitive behavioral therapy did help. Um, And also finding solutions to my problems, Uh finding different ways. You know, a lot of people when they're, they need to find their answer. They could walk in the straight line. But for me, the normal path that people take, I can't take. So I have to walk diagonally mm-hmm. to the side. But I look for my loophole. And what what, what is that? Like, how, can you explain that? Can you give my us loophole? an example? Can you give us an example? I think that might be helpful. Is there something that you wouldn't mind talking about either? Well, boundaries. Uh-huh. Um, what is okay and what is not? Because mm-hmm. I also, you know, people talk a lot about social cues 
Right. Um, and some people don't get them so well. I never you did. Don't. So yeah. if some, you know, if people mean something to you and you're having a bit of trouble communicating, you have a conversation and you understand what is okay and not okay. And I've realized for me to survive in this sea of relationship, I need to be bound by the boundaries. I have to, that is my code. I have to be, so, I follow that path. So what is the, how do you see the boundaries? Like, can you give us an example of um, something that might have happened to you where you found you didn't have boundaries or how you learned how to re- readjust the relationship? Um, well, examples, examples. Well, n- okay, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing when it's the appropriate time to talk, to um, join into conversation, because, you know, yeah, they're cute. Hot. Well, but, and people uh, giving you these, facial expressions and you think they're just happy to see you but they're trying to cue you in but you, you still don't get it right That's so would you example. interrupt like i just did would you interrupt a lot i i must confess i was a serial interrupter. that's not a confession that's <laughs> fine and uh i mean it's fine that you had to learn how to deal with that so did you learn so how do you deal how do you think about that now like when you're in a conversation how do you think about it i'm surprised i survived that long with being with because earlier on in my life i had no boundary ah and i just did i was like the tasmanian devil i just like went around (laughs) in circles and did whatever i wanted to do that sounds great yeah and in some spaces in like an artistic um kind of way you can be the tasmanian devil you can go in and create whatever you want but in society especially in if in some way you want to fit in and and to have like a sense of normalcy and different relationships you have to uh adapt in some way and adaption has become my way of life Hmm. so did your parents like i mean it sounds like you you know that you were a fairly unusual Kid, did your parent, you know, or young person, did your parents, young adult, did your parents try to like teach you how to, like, what was, what, how did they manage that? Well, they, um, I went to a lot of different mental health professionals. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them didn't give me um, the best prognosis. Uh, and some people thought I was hopeless. Mm-hmm. Did anybody use the word autistic? I I have gotten um, people have asked because that's a if, stereotype of autism. I don't know enough. I'm not a th- licensed therapist. I have no business actually commenting on it. I'm just asking because it is kind people of, have been um, have wondered if I might be autistic. Yes, but um, um, well, you I probably just, wouldn't be yeah. so good at coping with it if you really were, right? It just. Um, I remember I read that in some ways um, borderline and autism have some similarities. Mm, interesting. And a lot of different diagnoses um, share certain symptoms. Like um, mm. you can be, both can be very sensitive. I'm extremely mm-hmm. sensitive and I right. know that people with autism can be sensitive as well. Well, and you also have other, you know, you are obsessive and things like yes, that. Yeah, I do have 
OCD. I open and check the doors like 14 times before I leave the house. You know, I I check this studio that it's locked like two or three times before I leave. I mean, come on, who doesn't? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm paranoid because Tom Tenney, the station director, man, if I left this open, Tom, you listening? Fucking ring my neck. (laughs) I don't want to deal with you. Go away. Uh, Hope he's listening. Um, so you're very smart. I mean, you're very intuitive about yourself and like, it's, it's what, what I find sort of almost amusing about you is how you have these issues, but then you also have the presence of mind to also really understand them. You have to, I was reading, I like to read a lot of psychiatry articles, but I realized I like a lot of these investigative discovery shows, but I have, <laughs> they have a lot of forensic psychologists. So I thought to myself, in order for me to survive in this world, I have to be my own forensic psychologist and understand how I work, how I can come across to other people, and all the different ways I can react. I have mm-hmm. to map out all the possible things that can mm-hmm. happen so I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. So how, how have you been doing that? Is that just like literally self-awareness? Yes. So you you just really tune into like what's going on? Yeah, because I do have some weaknesses. Like what are you thinking about right now? Are you thinking, uh, I got to listen to Lisa so I don't interrupt her or something? What are you thinking? Are you thinking oh, I just that? don't want to say the wrong thing so I sound like a... A little bit like a fool because... Uh, well, I sound like a fool anyway. <laughs> Duh. But, I always sound... No, I mean, come on. I yeah, if You can't sound like a fool on the show, but I understand. I understand. You seem very relaxed. Uh, must have been the matcha tea I had in the morning. Oh, matcha tea. So tell me about, like, do you, do you, did you not have any close friends or did you... Do you have close friends now? Has, has that changed? Has your relationship with people changed? I have some close friends right now um and it just shows what the hard work of therapy can accomplish i you know what i thought was friendship was a lot of times i I think people felt sorry for me and they cared about me and they tried to help but um it wasn't that give and and take kind of thing i want to be there for the people in my life i Mm want to help them Mm-hmm. But when I wasn't in the best place, I would take more, and sometimes mm-hmm. until there was nothing left. And mm-hmm. and I understand why some relationships in the past had to mm-hmm. end. But so you get rewarded, don't you, for your growth? Yes, I have some really good people in my life right now, and it warms my heart to see that, and it warms my heart knowing that. A lot of the um, lessons that I've learned, I can now try to help other people and offer advice or just anything I could do to help people have, be able to make the changes in their life occur a bit faster. Mm-hmm. That so would mean a lot. Are you involved in your mental health advocate? So what? Are you involved or like how does that manifest? Um, well, I'm I'm trying to um, get involved in some different mental health organizations. But do you spend time around other people that are mental? Do you have uh, mentally ill friends? Um, you me now. <laughs> I'm like I'm your new mentally ill friend. Well, I think at some point 
most people suffer from some mental health yeah, issue, sure. even if they're not uh-huh. aware of it and mm-hmm. how fast paced life is right now. Like the, the human brain cannot handle it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone is going to handle or have some sort of anxiety that they have to pull through. People are going to be depressed when things. So happen. do you, but like how do you, do you work with, do you go to organizations or is it more just spreading the word and being an example? I want to be an example. And your interest. Um, I am trying to um, get involved with this nonprofit called Emotions Matter. Mm-hmm. That um, it's a wonderful story of how I met them. I was newly diagnosed with um, borderline and like a few days later, I went to the NAMI walk for mental health. Mm-hmm. It was raining and it gave me some comfort because I say, oh, the sky is crying with me. But I walked around <laughs> and then it felt so nice to walk among people who knew what I was feeling. And then I see these people with these ready motions matter um, T-shirts and I go up to them and say, can I walk with you? Oh, wow. I, I was just diagnosed and they warmly embraced me and oh. allowed me to walk with them and I and I appreciate the kindness and I appreciate their message and I look forward to working with them on different projects. How's your life? So you're like somebody that I mean, it seems like you're really buoyed by your I'm going to call it a recovery process. It is a recovery. Yes. Yeah, it's a recovery process, but it seems you, it's made you into a really positive person, I think. Sometimes you still have to um, come to terms with your insecurities that like to pop up whenever you think um, you're past them. It's like mm-hmm. one step forward, three steps back. And So what was your life like um, before you went down this path of, let's call it healing, even though that's a cliched word? So what was it like? Were you isolated or? In some ways. Um, what did you do all day? Did you, were you, you're an extremely creative person. Um, we're going to have um, actually Yale sings and writes and you're kind of an obsessive creative person, I think, right? Yeah. Are you I, like writing and making stuff all the time? Well, not all the time. It depends. Well, um, she came in here. Let me just tell you, folks. She came in here <laughs> with like, uh, a, like a ream of paper where she, I had her talk her out of like reading all this stuff. That's why I read this because honestly, there's like three pages here. And if I had taken it, if I, if I hadn't let taken it away from her and just read the basic stuff, we'd still be here and we would <laughs> never even get a chance to talk to her. I want to tell you about Radio Free Brooklyn. It's time for our station ID. Did you know this, Yale? This is part of what we have to do here. What? Remind people how great Radio Free Brooklyn is. Isn't it great? It's great. It's wonderful. I know. Isn't this a nice studio? It's really nice. I like the color. It's not like fancy, very functional. But, you know, in order to keep our doors open, we need, you know, we need money. It's a nonprofit. And if you make a donation to us, you can it can be tax deductible. Not only that, you know, we have we're a little emotionally shaky here ourselves, and we we just like the positive feedback. You know, if you just go to our uh, radio uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org dot org and go to donate and donate some money, and you know, or you can just send me a note 
uh, Dr. Lisa at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and, you know, let me know that uh, everything's fine or whatever you fuck off, whatever you want to tell me, you know, have me analyze your artwork. I do that too. So uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening to uh, Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm speaking with Yale Abe. How do you pronounce your middle name? Oh, I don't have a middle name. Is it Yale Abe? Is that your real name? A-Y-B? What is that? Oh, that I, I wrote A-Y-B on there. That was, oh, I used to have this weird thing that I used to sign all my text messages and email and A-Y-B standing for always Yael Barron. I'm very, like, I get really attached. That's to weird. That's fucking freaky. <laughs> You're a freak. Okay, everything else sounded normal, but that's freaky. Uh. So, um, you seem really driven, like, like I was saying, you produce a lot and you do a lot of stuff. So are you, are you somebody that like doesn't sleep a lot or what do you, what do you make? Like, what do you do? What do I do? What do you do? Do you sit around with a, do you have like a writing pad? Is, did you create a lot before you went down the road of healing yourself? Um, yeah, I also, I did realize, um, especially when I was still on medication and I was going through some side effects, Mm -hmm. um, I realized that subconsciously all my images started to look like they were the shape of a heart because I was afraid uh, about something happening Mm -hmm. to my heart. Mm -hmm. And emotionally, unrelated to the physical um, side effects, Mm -hmm. um, my heart. So mm-hmm. just like when I would draw, just it would all be shaped like a heart. So you drew a lot. Did you did you have a boy did you have you had any boyfriends or relationships? I have had relationships in the past. Like a year or months or the last time I had a real relationship was like five years ago, but mm-hmm. how I, long did it last? Um one I only had two real relationships. I'll be honest, I can't imagine and the vulnerability that you had and the lack of awareness, like, I mean, it frightens me to actually think of you being in a protective motherly way. It frightens me of you being vulnerable to a guy. I mean, what was that like? Well, um, let's see. They were learning experiences, those mm-hmm. relationships. One lasted one year, the other one around two. But at this point in my life, I'm just focusing on recovery, um, doing good things and mm-hmm. purpose in life and having s- strong friendships and in time a relationship, but not for a while. Right. So you're really working on developing all your resources. Yes. Yeah. That relationships require a lot of time and energy and you have to be able to have that. If you don't have that, it's just going to be another dysfunctional relationship to add to the pot. Right. Right. When when you broke up with those guys, was that like particularly difficult? Was that a big turning oh, point? Yeah. Was that a turning point? It, it, it was difficult. It's just I don't like crying. It hurts your face to cry, <laughs> you know, but at least, um, you know, I had so, some supportive friends. Yeah. Oh, so you had people to help. you. I, through. Yeah. I, what about your family? Were they helpful? My family was helpful during the breakups. Yeah, uh-huh. they were. So are you close with them now? Um, we are close, but we do have our disagreements. Mm-hmm. That's, 
Yeah. It's funny. I'm trying to get a, you know, I've asked you, I mean, uh, it's really hard for me to understand, to get a sense of your like childhood or your parents or what their role in it. I imagine you as, and I'm just questioning that because uh, that's totally great and fine, but I feel like there's a reason why we're not talking about that at all. And I'm wondering if you're protective of them or if that's something that you need to separate from, or I'm just a fucking moron and I don't get it. I mean, <laughs> it's just that typical dysfunctional Jewish family life. Was there arguing? Do your parents get along well? Um, they get along okay. Mm-hmm. You know, where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Israel, and then I moved to Long Island, which I have a really heavy Long Island accent. When did from. you move there? How old were you? Um. At around six, I moved to Far Rockaway, and then at eight, I moved to Long Island, and I'm still there. But eventually, mm-hmm. Brooklyn mm-hmm. or Manhattan for me. Yeah, yeah. What town? I lived on Long Island in Great Neck for eight months when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How was it? Oh, not good. But that has so much to do with wherever I was. <laughs> <laughs> With those people that were assigned to me by nature. Uh, and what about your brother? What's your relationship with him like? Um, we have a good relationship. I took a, a dog walk with him this morning. Where does he live? Well, he's at home right now. He's in, I think he's going to school for, he's in grad school right now. What's he studying? Therapy. <laughs> Is he a stable guy? Does he have any of the same Things, issues that you have i mean could- oh um he doesn't have what i have he's a good person who his heart is always in the right place my brother and what is that a cover what is that a euphemism for <laughs> he tries as best he can in everything that he does he's a genuine person you know and a lot of people in life they go through things and they cover themselves in layers uh, like those what is it those little russian doll things yeah but my brother dolls. my brother is a good person and that's um but what and 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 i have no doubt um because i can see that you know that's an important value to you and i would not be i would imagine it would be to him was he was he difficult to live with when you're growing up i think you know as children we could all be a little mischievous to each other but um we did um sometimes fight Fight. sometimes but we also did pulled pranks on the neighbors too oh that's funny and uh can i ask you about addiction because you use that term in one of your songs yes and so what does addiction mean to you addiction is something that helps you escape from the reality that is the unfortunate circumstance of what you might be going through mm-hmm. an emotional pain you're not ready to address and did you feel like you have had some addictions i do have addictions and uh, what mm-hmm. i have um an addiction to attachments to mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and i when things happen i have an addiction to food you don't look like you have a oh you mean so you you mean you have an would you say that day to day you have a normal relationship with food? Uh, most of the time, those things can become unbearable. Sometimes I do, I do suffer from the binge eating disorder. 
Right. So when you get upset, you calm yourself by eating? Yeah, so I, I can. Um, you don't look like it. Well, I've tried to uh, put boundaries on that, like a certain amount of calories. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the past, like... Were you was, overweight at some point? I was, but I'm wondering if it was partially because of medication, medication or if yeah. my... Um, or if I just, the eating disorder was out of control. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about being overweight? I mean, you don't look like you... Well, I know that I have to be healthy in order to survive in this world. So even if I do give in to my food addiction, I will eventually um, be on point so I can be healthy. Are you physically active? You look you like you're... You I know. try to be physically active. Do you active. do sports or anything or exercise or... Um, I tr- I try to exercise. Um, I also like to do some tai chi. Oh, that's cool! It's very helpful for. Um, being I walk a lot. It, it really. That's what I do when I get really depressed. Be, you know, besides everything else that I try to do, but walk physical activity. I think it can be really helpful. It doesn't yeah. have to be be strenuous. So um, let's talk about uh, why what what you would like. To um, you 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 seem to have um, you know you're working on yourself and you're overcoming a lot and I feel like you want to share that. What do you want? What what do you want people to know? Like, what do you think you ha- you have experienced a lot and overcome a lot? What do, what can how can you verbalize what you want to share? Can we talk about that? Like, um, what what do you do? You think like about mental illness. I'm not asking this question. Am I, folks? Like, I'm really stumbling here. It's so, I don't know. I'm caught up in my own fucking head as for change, so whatever. You know me. I'm caught up in my head. It's all about me. Uh, is Do you feel like mentally ill people, and that's a huge category, but do you feel like they're misunderstood, or can you help us understand that better? Or Oh, for sure. People with mental illness are very much misunderstood um a lot of there's a lot of preconceived notions towards people with mental health issues uh, because it's what people see of people with mental health issues a lot of people are also ashamed of sharing that they have mental health issues so you only see people who have mental health issues when they're really unstable Mm -hmm. like the people who are homeless Mm -hmm. at times and people who are really hitting rock bottom, Mm -hmm. that's when you're most likely to see them. But Mm -hmm. we're not in a point in society where people can really walk free being um, publicly mentally ill Mm -hmm. Um, because people do judge. And a lot of people don't know many people with mental health issues or don't know that they know Mm -hmm. because a lot of people like to hide it. Right. I think what's important is, especially the way to move forward, is people with mental health um, problems learn to accept their, themselves and not to be afraid about what people think and to find peace within themselves, to learn to love themselves and mm-hmm. to work towards their recovery. And then just by being themselves, they can be an example 
of how it is to live and be as a human being with mental health issues. And people mm-hmm. will be like, what? You have mental health issues? But um, we have to look at people as people first. And so do you see, do you sometimes think, well, that person has a mental health issue that they're trying to hide? Do you see that a lot? You notice um, it more? Sometimes I could because I have one myself. Mm-hmm. But you can't always tell. Sometimes yeah, people but, are having a bad day. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, ever been hospitalized? Yes, I have. Can I can I ask you about that? Or? Sure. Oh, okay. So what happened? Well, I was trying to make a point one day. What I was does that try- mean? I was, make a point. You know, um, I was young, and everything was going out of whack and I thought that I could um I guess I'll use the word manipulate myself into getting what I want and I try to threaten in a way and threaten in a way so to try to get what I wanted was that can you explain that oh sure um I I I pretended I was gonna engage in self-harm to get what I wanted Mm -hmm. and then my mom called the police Ah, smart move. So then, um, yeah, I was, they came and I tried to manipulate a little more. and Mentally? Yeah. And uh-huh. who am I to go, at, you know, I, I just, you know, I, you know, you have to know when to just give up. And I did. And I just went with the police and I went to the hospital and I was hospitalized for two weeks. And two it's, weeks. Wow. And it took a long time. Yeah. It took me, it took that though to teach me an important lesson. And I feel a little vulnerable right now sharing this, but. Well, no, I mean, I think it, I mean, I'm hoping that it will be helpful. But. Um, and I appreciate that. But you know what? I don't, I, I'm, it's, it takes so much energy to hide who you are. Are you feeling vulnerable because you feel like you're being judged? That you may be judged or you're putting it out there. It's Is just that like, it? I just want to be myself and I don't care if people know if I went to the hospital. It helped me and my recovery and who I am today. And I learned an important lesson from it. So I don't mind. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I think that it's important for people. You know, it's funny because you are presenting as a really positive person. And I think it's important for people to know that, like, people to understand that you've overcome a lot. Like, it's not just, you know, not that you've paid the price. You've fucking paid the fucking price for this. And, uh... Oh, yeah, and people... You know, and and see, the thing is, you deserve an award you deserve to be admired for that and to be recognized for it and uh and respected for it and i think that that is so much more i mean understand you're on the radio people could hear this it could be recorded and i understand your feeling of vulnerability and i appreciate you sharing and i hope i didn't push you into saying something but I do think that that is something that I think it's a perfect example that you're feeling vulnerable about it when it's actually something that, you know, it's like saying, you know, I got 
I got, you know, a grant for this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, an, it's a real accomplishment. And and we people are forced to uh, hide these things that in genuine, that genuinely are genuine accomplishments. True. Right? Yeah, the thing, though, is, like, no matter how much progress you can make, you know, um, the past can still reflect itself upon you like you see people who knew you in a previous life as a previous person and they can look scared they could feel uncomfortable and it feels if you've read the scarlet letter i feel like hester prynne yeah in those moments you're wearing the scarlet letter and the scarlet letter is my mental illness and what uh, i've done before in my life or how i've expressed myself and people are like and it it just shines so bright this mm-hmm. is my scarlet letter but it's still a piece of who I am and I won't change anything because I've learned so much. See, this is this is so empowering. Like you gave me the chills right there to hear you talk like that, really, because that's what we all need. We all need to learn that lesson that like no matter how damaged we are, that we accept that and use that to make ourselves bigger and better and stronger. And it's like, we all have like things like that. I mean, you know, and uh, I just, guys, fucking listen up, okay? You losers, get out there and do shit. Look at this. This person has been through so much and she's fucking making her life happen in spades, okay? Got it? All right. Uh, How's your life today? My life is okay. It seems, I mean, this is my impression of you. Okay, I don't know you really well. I met you through friends and stuff like that. So my impression of you is somebody who's part of a a very active group of creative people like the Gamba. I love the Gamba people and Chris Carr. He's been on here and Melissa. And that group, which is very, very, a very powerful, active, creative group and creative meaning in every facet of creativity. Like if you could figure out a way to make making turds an art project and you wanted to do that, that would happen. They would help you make that happen. I don't want to be there, though. Yeah. (laughs) Do it. Enjoy it. I don't want to be there. But anyway, so and I mean, a lot. The work is good. I mean, there's all. And the point the point is, is that I see you as part of a very vital creative group of people and people a community it's not a group it's people who seriously care about each other and i see you as a very active uh productive member of that group surrounded by people who are really like you know large 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 emotionally and i i find that very um heartwarming and impressive yeah, i'm feeling emotional right now because like i'm finally starting to find myself around of a, a community of people i belong with and you know all the work i put into trying to get better at interacting with people is finally starting to um pay off and you know you were saying about the artists in brooklyn and gambo they're so welcoming and it honestly wholeheartedly with all my soul i'm i'm truly happy you are yeah Yeah. you're part of that you made that happen 
fucking incredible. She's got tears in her eyes. <laughs> you are a you are a sap. You I know am that? a sap. You're yeah. a really emotional person. I, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is starting to frighten me. I don't know if I can handle it. Uh, uh, no, I mean, you know, and uh, I think, I think, you know, I think it's uh, inspi- inspiring. You know, that's all. I, that's all I can say. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's inspiring. You're doing work that is meaningful with people. That it's really. It seems to me like that you you have managed to work with your it's called a disability maybe uh yeah you can in a a sense even though whatever and turn it into something that has made you truly made your life meaningful yes right is that right meaningful yeah i I have a cause and i i have i have work that i have to do in my years on this planet to to help people from what I've learned on, on this journey towards wellness. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So um, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. And I, I um, also want to, uh, there was something I was going to say. I lost my train of thought here. No, no kidding. Um, I was going to say that um, I wanted to point out something. And what was it, Lisa? Uh, you lost your train of thought. It's hot in here today. Um, that uh, uh, I'll get it back. I'll get it back. But I mean, um, I think it. I think it's really. Uh, oh, this is what I was going to say. I have this painting that I always point to that I made. It says, "Your charm will also be your downfall." Oh yeah. So you're like your downfall is sort of like your charm. Like I imagine that people find. You're, I'm going to call it a brand of eccentricity because we all have, I mean, I have that for sure and lots of people have that. But I imagine that people find it charming because you don't seem very self-conscious in a certain level. Do you know what I mean? Like your self-conscious, the layer of self-consciousness on you has been earned. So you're not, you're, you still, you still maintain, I think, like a sort of very, there's sort of an innocent directness about you with a layer of, I know, I know what's going on. I got this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm hopeful and I believe in people. Yeah. I believe that good things can happen if people open their hearts to it. It's so beautiful. Um, We're going to, you want to sing, sing or perform. Do you call yourself a singer or a performer? Performer. Performance artist. Performance artist. Uh, Yale has a beautiful voice. Did you study music at all um, or my, singing? My dad is a cantor. He's going to go for the high holidays to Alabama to sing. So I, I believe I get it from ah, his side of the family. So he's a lawyer and a cantor. Yes. Wow. So there was music in your family? Yes. Was your family religious? Um, part of my family's religious. Part of it, not so much. Do you so. go to synagogue? Do you? I take? plan to go to synagogue. For High holy holidays. Yeah. But like, is it something that is ingrained in your life? Or um, I do have a strong belief in God, but um, I'm trying to find exactly where I belong in the community. Yeah. Well, you, you lived in Israel. And how old were you when you came here? Six. 
Yeah, so that must have been a huge change. Oh, it was. Do you think that that had a lot of influence on your... Do you think maybe it was a different cultural environment? Not really, because I, f- I honestly feel more of a New Yorker mm-hmm. than an Israeli. Mm-hmm. Um, New York feels like home to me. <laughs> it's just like where my... Do you have memories are. of being in Israel? I do have memories. And what there. are those like? Um, the ones I hold dear to my heart are the ones with... I sound like my like a grandma when I say these things, but um, I the memories of my grandparents there, mm-hmm. um, the um, scenery can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. The old city... Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, and I remember horseback riding. And <laughs> I love great. that. <laughs> Do you ever go back? Um, I haven't gone there for a while because I just don't like. I just don't like planes. Oh yeah, who does? Yeah, it's a damn long plane. So, um, I'm going to give you uh, some time to. Uh, do your performance, but I also want to remind people that you know. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And Dr. Lisa gives a shit. And uh, I want to uh, make sure that you guys hang in there when we get off the air because we have a great show coming up after this. Did you know that? We've got, uh, where, where, oh God, I'm, now I put pressure on myself and my mind is going blank. It, the show is, um, I know it, I'm just confused. Uh, I'm, I'm a very confused person. Uh, it's uh, Lost and Rewound. Yes, of course. Lost and Rewound, which is a great show by Elon Danziger. He used to be really into uh, mixtapes in his childhood and middle school. And so this show uh, is about him and mixtapes and talking and music and stuff like that. So I hope you uh, stay tuned. And I'm going to give Yale the rest of this. Uh, uh, show to um, share her her performance with us. So take take it away. Do you want to introduce your? Are you doing? What's your first song? Oh, my first song. Um, you called a song. Well, how how much time do I have? You have five minutes. Five minutes. I'll share different elements of this House of Viper piece. Um, it's me. I guess the whole gist of it is me getting in touch of with my. And getting in peace of how it is to live with these things in society and how to just, it's, it's a song about, or performance piece about acceptance in a way. Mm-hmm. And there are four parts to it. The first three are a bit challenging and the fourth one is, is where the most positive aspect of that song comes, but... I will be um, reading from part one, which um, is emotionally a challenging portion. Okay, okay so Thank you. this is the House of the Viper, part one. Light a candle, say a prayer, love meets danger, my heart don't care, dance to the beat. And breathe in that toxic air. They never got the message to handle with care. And in the house of the viper, 
we learn, we survive by the power of our chosen addiction. Whoa, 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 just burn the house down. There's nothing left to say, only arguments and emotions, pain, relationships, sustain. And there's no removing toxic, no. One week later, at the hospital. Yes, I may be borderline, but some of you have crossed the line, unethical. You generalize and then you diagnose, forgetting that we're people first. Why do you look at me like I'm some strange case study in your book? Why do you look at me like I'm some strange case study in your book? Why do you look at me like I'm some strange case study in your book? The doctor will see you now. Hi, I'm Dr. Generalization, and you have borderline personality disorder. You have no hope. You have no cure. Now, get out of my office. In the presence of lies. Love suffocates and dies. So much shame attached to my name. I started to hate me. Do it. No. Do it. No. You heard what she said. You have no hope. You have no cure. In the house of the viper. No. We learn. We survive. No. By the power. Of our chosen addiction. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just burn the house down. There's nothing left to say. Only arguments and emotions pain. Relationships sustain. And there's no removing toxic. No. And that's, um, the part one, and so work in progress, but I really hope to develop this performance piece. You know, We still have one minute. Go ahead. Oh, one minute? Well, I'm working on something on boundaries, so this is a little bit of something. And go. I work so hard to fight. Someday I will make it right. Yes, I'm here. I sit from those, I sit across from those I hold so dear. Always cherish the moments we've come to get to know one another. Love is here. Soon some hesitation will appear, created by the power of fear. It's been born. And it lives inside my heart, and it occupies my soul. Now all I want to do is scream. Who put all these eggshells on the ground?